Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham. Scott is alongside, as always. Hello, Scott. Sean, we're here again. Yes, we are. Our, what, sixth or seventh straight day of a show? Something insane. <laughs> Sweet Jeebus. Yeah, so this will be our last show for uh, a week. <laughs> we'll be back uh, after the Boost National, which is why we're here. If you have not listened to our show wrapping up all the action from Sunday, we talked about the five finals from the World Cup and the Canada Cup, and perhaps more interestingly, the timing controversy in the final of the Men's Canada Cup. And uh, just we'll say we disagree on this. And we talked about it tonight with our team. We're here at the Ottawa Curling Club, where we almost had a valiant comeback in our Monday night league game. And we talked about it with our team. And, and based on the discussion around the table, and the things I'm seeing on Twitter, I am in the vast minority of people who actually kind of like the change. But think, that's th- okay. Yeah, I think you're right, Sean. It's, uh, I don't know, it's one of those things that uh, I, I didn't really think there was a problem, so uh, why fix it? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right, but whereas I thought it was broke, but if you want our full thoughts on it, go and listen to our episode from last night. It's about the first 20 minutes of the show, actually, that we talk about that men's final and what happened between teams Cooey and Jacobs before we get into the rest of the action. And the reason we're back today for another show is because uh, an event starts tomorrow. Another leg of the Grand Slam of curling, the Boost National out in Conception Bay, Newfoundland. I was following along with Devin Hero today. He said his flight from Toronto to St. John's had a lot of the curlers on it. That's right. Who had made their way to Regina. We're on the 6 a.m. flight from Regina to Toronto. Uh, he, he mentioned that a lot of them were looking a little groggy en uh, <laughs> route there to Toronto, but it uh, seems like a lot of folks have made it. The folks from Omaha, uh, actually the Lazy Handles show, uh, she tweeted that a bunch of the curlers were on her flight uh, going through Chicago. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, so everyone's en route to Conception Bay. So what we're going to do here to preview, normally what we would do is talk about the teams, the groups, all that stuff, but most of these teams played last week not all of them but most of them did play last week so we've talked about them a lot what we're going to do is pick 10 things five for the women five for the men that we are excited to see or that we want to look out for this week out in conception bay so i've created five things for the women scott you've done five things for the men i have sean where do you want to start so today? let's kick off with your list and, and five <laughs> things to look for at the Boost National and the men's side. Well, Sean, the first thing that you mentioned here was uh, about the travel uh, that these teams had to, to partake in for attending this event. And so I want to talk, the first thing I'm looking for is how is this going to affect the teams? And in particular, I've identified four teams. There's two teams that are coming from Estevan and playing on Tuesday night. Yep. And there's two teams coming from Omaha that are also playing on Tuesday night. Okay. So uh, the teams coming from Estevan are Team Jacobs, who played in that final on Sunday night. And won. And won. And Team Gushu, who played in the semifinal. Uh, so, you know, they played well into the weekend. Most of them would have driven to Regina. Now, last, last time uh, when we previewed the event, 
I, I made a mistake with the airport code for Estevan. Oh. And I really needed to apologize for that. Bad job by you. I said YQR. Obviously, everyone was screaming into their podcast that that's Yorkton, Duh. Scott. Obviously, you idiot. Uh, so it's Y-E-V is Estevan. But uh, so it's about two hours from Regina. So two hour uh, drive. Plus, uh, I looked at all the flights, the, all the combinations you can take to get from Regina to St. John's. And the shortest one I had was, was YQR through YYZ connecting to, to YYT. And that's eight hours and 11 minutes. So that's the flight most of them were on. Yeah. Eight hours and 11 minutes is a full work day for most people. Yeah. Uh, that's a lot of travel, really tough. Going east, I always find is really, really, it's really hard. It's really hard. So you're getting a two and a half hours time change yep. in there too. So really tough for those teams. Coming from Omaha, a team Schwaller and team Gunlickson, uh, they probably could have got out uh, Sunday. Yeah, they probably did. They, they probably did. Because right. we saw that th- there was a tweet, Brendan Botcher's team, they were seen in the airport on Saturday right? Uh, traveling. So, you know, teams were getting out early when they could. So they were buying those uh, latitude fares or right. uh, whatever. So like, Of course, Brendan Botcher's not here. But. No, no. But uh, so the, the shortest trip from Omaha to St. John's, nine hours, 46 minutes, and that's a connection through Chicago, through Toronto to St. John's. That's so a long day. That's uh, four flights, three flights. It's uh, three flights. It's pretty, pretty tough. Yeah. And so I want to see how the time and the traveling affects, in particular, those teams because they have to be on the ice playing Tuesday night. All right. So, yeah, I think I think that's fair that having that not quite as much turnaround time to see how that goes. And, you know, we've talked about it with stuff in the past where people have gone places. We saw with Anna Hasselberg. She had a lot of travel mm-hmm. um, in the past week. Uh, so, you know, people have struggled with it. So, yeah, I think the travel is a, a real concern, especially with that time change going from central time now to newfoundland time that two and a half hours in a day and a half can be difficult yeah it's not insignificant i'd say for sure so the next thing sean i want to talk about is we saw brad jacobs team with mark kennedy winning sunday night and i want to see team jacobs and how they respond to the kennedy effect not being there i wrote down the kennedy effect okay so we saw they, they performed really well they seemed like they were communicating well for this event, EJ is going to move to third, and they're sliding in Matt Wozniak at second. Uh, very different dynamic. Wozniak seems from the outside to be like pretty chill, kind of like uh, like Kennedy. Like doesn't talk too much. He's yeah, I, I think Kennedy was a better fit though because he's a little more vocal. Yeah, he can take control when he needs to. He has that experience in the house, and Matt Wozniak is just not just, but he's going to play second. So. You know, one of the things that when they made the switch from EJ Harden bringing in Ryan Fry was to get EJ out of the house. Yeah, a little bit, uh, yeah. To calm everything down because EJ is a pretty emotional guy, certainly more than Ryan Harden is. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But, I mean, EJ's whatever, eight years older now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's still pretty intense. But we'll see. certainly see how that goes. And, and there's a, a world here in which Matt, Matt Wozniak says three words. <laughs> The whole uh, the yeah. whole week, yeah, and so uh, that'll be a, a really compelling storyline to watch. Uh, I think, especially given that they have to turn around and play Tuesday night right away, they'll probably get some practice in, not much uh, coming off that high. 
we'll see how it affects them. Yep, yeah, for sure. That's going to be an, uh, a, a very curious to see how they react. Yeah, yeah. Uh, third point, yep. Sean. Uh, Bruce Mowat, defending champion, also coming from Omaha, is placed in a very peculiar pool in this event, Sean. We're going to be talking just very briefly about Pool B. So uh, Bruce Mowat, uh, we've got his country mate, Ross Patterson. Yeah. We've got, uh, so that's two Scottish teams. We've got Yannick Schwaller and Peter DeCruz, two Swiss teams, Yeah. going up against the hometown team, Brad Gushu. What do you think of this nearly all European pool? I think it's a good draw for Brad Gushu. Somewhat unprecedented, hey? Like, imagine Nick Adin had been in that pool too, and it's just all Europeans. That would be a fun pool. It, I mean, actually, it, it seems kind of strange, but there's, I guess, there's a lot of European teams, and well, there's no, there's four European teams in the men's field, and yes, they're well, all in the same. Well, pool. there's five. There's Nick Adin. Who am I missing? Well. Oh yes, I'm missing Nick Adin. Excuse me. But but yeah, four out of the five European teams are all in the same pool. Yeah, that's. Something else. Seems strange, right? Yeah. So why is this a specific thing to watch for uh, Bruce Mowat? Well, because because Bruce Mowat has drawn a bunch of teams that he has played against on that European uh, tour and, and maybe a bit more familiar with, uh, we'll see if he can use that to his advantage and uh, be able to come out on top. As defending champion in the Boost National... Right. Uh, I want to see if this draw really plays to their team strength. Okay. Especially after a somewhat disappointing week for them in Omaha. I think so, yeah. Finishing uh, three and three. Yeah, they had a, they had a tough run there yeah. out in Omaha. All right. So, that, yeah, that'll be a, a fun pool to keep our eyes on. I call it the Euro pool. Sean. There you go. <laughs> and really, I mean, Brad Gush is from Newfoundland. They're not, you know, they were the last ones to join the country. They were the sort of. Yeah, they're basically there, Europe, right? Yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, what's your fourth thing? So my fourth thing is uh, Team Scott McDonald. You and I just got done having a pretty lengthy conversation about uh, the Ontario curling curl on their decision related to Team Scott McDonald. We, we don't have to hash it all out now. We can if you want. No, we'll just say that they were given a spot in the Ontario Provincial Finals. Yes. Despite the fact that based on the way the rules were written, they wouldn't have gotten one automatically on CTRS points. Right. There were only two for CTRS points, which the top two teams are Howard and Epping. The decision was made over the weekend to give Scott McDonald a third spot, reducing a spot from another competition so that he could play in this event. And that has ruffled some feathers locally, certainly, uh, of teams who had entered that competition. That's right. And that's, that's right. really all that we need to say about it right now. We can talk about it later in more detail. Right, for now. So so what it comes down to is Scott McDonald's team earned their way here by winning that Tier 2 event in Thunder Bay. Uh, they've earned their spot in this Boost National. They've had a pretty, a, a pretty good record here in the fall. They won a couple other events. They won the event here, I believe, at the Gatineau the event. Gatineau, the yeah. Gatineau Spiel, yeah. And, and so they've had a pretty good fall. I want to see how they do performing against this tougher competition, you know? Uh, Looking at their pool right now. They got a pretty good, I have to say, I think they got a good pool. I think so too. They're they're up against Nick Nick Dean, Brad Jacobs, as we've talked about coming off that uh, that win, Reed Carruthers, whose team looked really out of sorts there in Estevan, and Braden Calvert, a young team from Winnipeg. So, you know, it's... 
it's, it's there for them. It's there for them. It's not as tough as it could have been. No, you got to win two. At pretty much every one of these, if you win two, you're in a tie break. A tie break at minimum, yeah. And yeah. Uh, so I, you know, I like their chances to win two here. Yeah, so I'm really excited to see how this team performs. It's the first time we're going to see them on TV. Uh, I guess we've seen them on YouTube. Yeah, well, they were on TV at that tier two. It's not the same. You're not, not either with the feature game at that, that yeah. final, but there, there's cameras around. Yeah, so, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see how they either rise to the moment or shrink from it. All right, that's good. I, I like that one. And now your fifth and final thing to look out for on the men's draw. So on the men's draw, Sean, we saw the Briar was a rousing success there in St. John's. And Conception Bay, uh, for those that don't know, is about a 25-minute drive. It's yes. on the other side of the peninsula. Yes, currently Google is showing me a 20-minute drive, 27 kilometers via NL2 North. Oh, yeah, the, the, the highway. That's what they call it, I think. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, the Trans-Canada. Yeah, it is. So, uh, again, we saw the Briar do really, really well. I want to see how the Gushu home ice effect uh, affects this event. The, the Briar is one of those events that people travel to. No matter where it is, people will go. Uh, they really had a good, uh, good turnout with Brad Gushu playing really well and winning that event. But... Uh, I don't think people are making plans to go to St. John's in December for uh, a Grand Slam curling event. So I want to see how the local people come out to support this. And if there's going to be any difference between the people in the stands during Gushu's games versus when Gushu's not playing. Right, that's going to be the big test, right? I think Gushu draws there without any doubt. And, you know, if he's in the playoffs, certainly. If he's in the final, that building's going to be full. I think the difference could be, you know, the Mile One Center, you're right downtown in St. John's yeah. here in Conception Bay, a little further out. So you know, not I don't know the geography well enough to know how many people live in Conception Bay to drive into St. John's every day for work, that kind of thing. I, I just don't know well enough. Uh, or what size this building is versus the Mile right. One Center. And if that, you know, because we saw it in London last year with the Continental Cup, smaller building that's full feels better than, you know, if you have... 3,000 people and it's full, that's better than 8,000 people in a, in a with, with, with an NHL arena yeah. or something, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so, so that will make a difference there, but it will be fun when that building's full, when Gushu's there, and, mm. you know, for, for the people there and for TV purposes, you almost hope that he makes a run. Oh, yeah. Uh, because there was nothing quite like that Briar. And you're right, it's different Briar versus an event like this. You know, nobody had won a Briar from Newfoundland for such a long time, back there for the first time in a really long time. So, you know, a little different emotional sure. uh, component to it. But, yeah, I, I think seeing the crowds here this week should be a good time. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt, Sean. So those are my five things to watch from the men's side. How about you uh, take us through your five things to watch on the women's side? All right, so for me, the first thing that I want to look for on the women's side is Eve Muirhead's Eve Muirhead's health, excuse me, I sort of stumbled over my words there, but to see how she's doing. They have made, after her surgery this summer, they've made a point of not playing too much and trying to reduce the number of games that they're playing, and especially for Eve, reduce the number of shots she's throwing. They don't practice as much or as hard as they used to because of that, and they just played this week out in Omaha. Mm -hmm. They went 4-2 there. They beat uh, Japan and Sweden in their games now. What's interesting to me is that the game against Japan, Satsuki Fujisawa had already qualified through. So right. it was that last draw where it, it didn't matter. Game. And even Muirhead wins there. 
And the way her schedule breaks here, Scott, she has to play two games on Wednesday. So she doesn't get that Tuesday night draw, but she has to play those two games Wednesday. So she comes off a pretty busy week. She gets those two days off. But as you said, a lot of travel. Uh, Those airplane seats are not that forgiving. And then she has to play the two Wednesday. Versus Satsuki Fujisawa, who actually gets a good draw in that she plays once every day. Right. She plays once Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So Eve Muirhead doesn't get as lucky in that. And even if she had a two-game day, maybe it would have been better Friday. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it'll be it'll be interesting because this is something she hasn't done in a while. I don't think she's done it all season. Have this quick of a turnaround event to event. Yeah, you're right, Sean. It, and Europeans, between Europeans and World Cup was two weeks, I think. So, yeah, this is a really, really tight turnaround. And as you mentioned, uh, those flights from, from Toronto to St. John's are not on the you know, luxury aircraft, uh, the most roomy of seats. No, and I, even though I'm sure they have a pretty good qualifying status yes. on the Star Alliance, if that's who they fly with, there's no lay flat seats on the no. Toronto to St. John route. So uh, we'll keep an eye on, on Eve through the week. So that's my first thing. Right on. Uh, the next thing, I'm really excited to see the other Japanese team in this field. Yeah, two uh, Japanese teams. Yeah, so you got, obviously, Satsuki Fujisawa is there, but you also have Sayaka Yoshimura, who is there. And this team, Scott, has been absolutely crushing it this season. They've played 60 games. They are 46 and 14 on the season. They're scoring 8.5 points a game, only giving up 5.4 points per game. Their hammer efficiency is at 44%. They're forcing at 55%, but their steal efficiency is 32%. Holy cow. Which is unbelievably high. And they've played in 11 events this season. How many events, Scott, do you think they've made the playoffs in? Well, Sean, if you're telling me, I'm going to say 11. Yes, they've made the playoffs in every event they've played, in all 11 of them. They won the Hokkaido Bank Curling Classic. That one doesn't really count because it was in August. August, yeah. Uh, They won the Oakville Fall Classic. They lost a couple of finals, including the Tour Challenge Tier 2 and the PAF Masters in Finland, which we watched on YouTube, which wasn't a very clean game, I'll admit. Oh, yeah, Uh, yeah. But they made that final there. They, they're, the, the caliber of competition they've played in a lot of these events has not been as high as some other teams. Their best win of the year, though, they did beat Jennifer Jones huh. at the Colonial Square Classic in September. So they've okay. played some good teams. They have some good wins on the season. They're 18th in the order of merit right now, and this is the first time that we're going to get to see them in this type of events. So we'll see if they can use the momentum they've had to keep this streak of qualifying for the playoffs going forward. And I think they got a pretty good pool to do that. Yeah, I'm looking at it. It looks pretty yeah. pretty good, Sean. So they're in the pool with their uh, country mates, uh, Fujisawa, uh, with Tracy Fleury also coming from the, uh, the World Cup there, uh, Jennifer Jones, and Jamie Sinclair. So, yeah, Jennifer Jones on a, you know, on a run there having won at the Canada Cup. Uh, the other teams, you know, I think they're all, they're all pretty beatable. Yeah. So, you know, anybody could beat anybody on a given day. I think Jones is clearly at the top uh, on that totem pole there. 
but uh, you know, Fujisawa is not that far behind. So yeah, uh, but yeah, but there's there's certainly a path to three, maybe even four wins here. Yeah, uh, could for, be for this team. So it'll be fun to see them, uh, a team that we're not overly familiar with. And it'll be here. fun to see a, a, a J- all Japan game too, for sure in the round robin. I'm guessing it won't be the TV game. I'm just <laughs> going to throw that out there uh, on that. Uh, so my third thing, I'm I want to see how the teams that either struggled this week or had bad losses at the end. And not mm. really bad losses, but sort of crushing right. losses at the end. How they will respond. Kerry Anderson lost the final of the Canada Cup. Tracy Fleury missed the playoffs. Jamie Sinclair missed the playoffs in an event that they were geared up for. That's right. That yeah. World Cup in Omaha. That had to be very disappointing for that team. I'm very curious to see how they all respond. If in this quick turnaround from event to event, if they can get the energy back up, sort of be invested in this event, or if they're going to have a hangover from what were disappointing weeks for these respective teams. Yeah, Sean, I could see Kerry Anderson saying, holy cow, Jen Jones made uh, an amazing shot against us and we lost. I could see her saying, oh, well, you know, that's how it goes. Sometimes they make good shots. Let's keep going on. Or I can see it breaking her confidence right. and never being able to make another shot. Uh, right. right. So it, it could go either way. I, I would think it'd be more the former than the latter. But, Probably. Uh, but yeah, like it'll be, it'll be interesting drink, drink. To, see, uh, <laughs> to see how she handles that. And Jamie Sinclair's team too, because they started the week pretty well down in Omaha and sort of faltered with that game against Canada where she just had an open hit to win and, and rolled out. And yep. Just, uh, yeah, that, that's pretty devastating. So a uh, good point there on number three. All right, so my fourth one, I, I'm curious to see if Jennifer Jones can carry this momentum ah. through. She had a great week in Estevan and obviously winning that great shot in the ninth, ninth end, end yeah. to score the three and get that victory out there. I, I'm curious to see if she's going to be able to carry that forward. We've seen from other teams, they win and sometimes can fall off in the next event. You know, you could make a case that, that Rachel Holman has been guilty of this at times. Um, Jennifer Jones, though, and this is anecdotal because I don't have the numbers on it, but she doesn't do that. Yeah. She's, she's really good. She's so consistent. This is why she's the best. This is why she wins six Scotties and now four Canada Cups and wins everything you could possibly win is because she's so consistent Mm -hmm. that the waves of Jennifer Jones are not as high or as low as some other teams. So for this one, the way she manages that, the way she manages the team with now Jocelyn Peterman being part of it, how they come out, the intensity level they have, that is going to be a storyline for me. And her first game is against... Satsuki Fujisawa in draw number four, which is, I think, so that'll be Wednesday afternoon-ish. But Satsuki Fujisawa plays the first draw on Tuesday night. So I wonder if that'll give the Japanese team an advantage, having seen the ice, having been out there once, versus Jennifer Jones. And if Jennifer Jones loses that opening game, we've seen in short weeks before sort of a snowball effect. Mm -hmm. I think this pool is set up for that not to happen for her. But... You know, this is a storyline just to, to see how they respond. Yeah, it's a storyline to watch for sure. I, I'm not sure it'll give the Japanese team any real advantage. Jennifer Jones is pretty good at figuring out ice. But, but uh, it's happened before. And it's an 8 end game, right? Sure, so sure. If, if it takes you two or three ends, 
and the other team has it already, that could be enough. Could be enough in an eight game. to make the difference. You're right. Um, You're right. But I'll be keeping my eyes on that game between Jennifer Jones and Suzuki Fujisawa. Yeah, certainly. Un- oh, unfortunately, yeah, no TV coverage start starting till Thursday. Right. So, so I'll be watching the scores come in. Yes. Uh, before that, curling uh, zone for the win. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and now my fifth one. W- sort of overlaps with your fifth one as well. I just wrote down, how are these teams going to respond with when they're on the ice at the same time as Brad Gushu? Hmm. Right, Because the at this, the men and women, as we saw at the Canada Cup, are going to be on the ice at the same time. And I think the men's teams who played in that briar, so Kevin Cooey, um, Brad Jacobs, they will have an advantage because they will be used to how crazy loud it can be when Gushu okay. makes a shot. Yeah. And I think the men's teams who weren't there and the women's teams are going to be coming into a different situation. Mm. And, you know, you could say Jennifer Jones played everywhere. She's done all the things. Rachel Holman has played everywhere. She's done all the things. But at that briar, so many teams came off the ice and were commenting on how different it felt when Brad Gushu made a shot. And if even you know if I was on sheet A, he's on sheet D. When he makes a shot, we can't hear each other yeah. at all. So if the crowd is anything like that, that will be an adjustment for both the men's and women's teams who have not been in that environment. Yeah, and that could actually play a factor with some shots. Yeah, I didn't really think about that, Sean. But you're right. You're right. There's uh, some teams that won't won't be used to having played in that kind of an environment. Perhaps. The closest parallel I can draw is any team that played at the Olympics there in in Pyeongchang, uh, Pyongyang, Pyeongchang. Which one? What the one in Korea? <laughs> the one in South Korea. <laughs> oh yeah, the one in South Korea. Uh, I've forgotten already. But uh, when the, that Korean team was on the ice and when they were making shots and it got deafeningly loud in there, you know. So th- that might be the closest parallel. So maybe Kui and and Holman have a you know a bit of experience with that. But all these teams have played in events where you know it's been loud but yeah. just maybe not as loud yeah this could be a different shoot. level of of loud sure, sure, yes, sure. of course it's pyongyang <laughs> south korea pyongyang north, north korea, korea. Uh, so there you go real so, creative with the names there yeah, yeah. so uh, so that that's my fifth one i also just put in here as a quick little addendum oh corollary um, no, it's not really a corollary. It's, just okay. a, it's a, basically a sixth thing. Uh, but it's Anna Hasselberg. Uh, did she yeah. just have an off week? Were they tired from travel? Whatever it is. Or are they just or are they in a slump or, or whatever it is? I, we're not used to seeing Anna Hasselberg have bad weeks. So how she comes out this week, I'm just, uh, I'm just curious to see how that will go. So those are my five things or five and a half things, uh, ten things to look for at the Boost National Scott we updated our picks last night. We did. I have a three-point lead on we, you for the season. You do? 37 to 34. You got it. So we'll go through here. Let's make our picks. Same rules as always. We'll each pick four teams to go through on the men's and the women's side. And if the team makes the playoffs, you get a point. If the team wins, you get an additional point. So you have a possible five points on the line for both the men's and the women's field. So, Scott, I will go first. We were just talking about the women's, so I will pick my women's teams. As you get set to write them down, you can definitely give me Rachel Holman here, coming out of Pool C. Despite any sort of uncertainty I may have with Jennifer Jones, until she doesn't make the playoffs, uh, give me Jennifer Jones certainly 
uh, Anna Hasselberg, I like them to bounce back and make a run here. And then I'm going to go with it. I'm going to take a risk here. And you can give me Sayaka Yoshimura Whoa. to continue her hot streak here and make the playoffs make at the, the playoffs Boost National. Again. Yes. Um, of course, I'm not going to pick them to win the event. To win the event, give me Anna Hasselberg to continue what I am now going to call the Hassle Slam. The Hassle Slam. Yes. Oh, I like this. I like this, Sean. Uh, you you kind of one up me here because I was going to pick Hasselberg to win as well. And I'm still going to. So give me Hasselberg. Okay. Until we see them lose in a Grand Slam. You got to pick them. You got to keep picking them, right? So give me Hasselberg. And I want to... I'm going to take Sylvana Tiranzoni as well. Okay. I like that. Uh, coming off that Europeans. And they've had a few weeks of rest now. Did we ever talk about why Switzerland's not at the World Cup? We did not, I don't think. If anybody knows why, let <laughs> us know. Because it seems strange. Uh, I'm going to take... Uh, I'm going to take Fujisawa coming out there of Pool B and give me Kerry Anderson to make the playoffs too. All right. Those are good picks. Hey, thanks, eh? Yeah, good job, Scott. <laughs> so, uh, all right, so let's move over now on the men's side here. Scott, who do you like to come out of the different pools and who do you got to win? So, you know what? I'm going to take Scott McDonald there to make the Whoa. playoffs. I'm not, I'm not saying they're going to come in the top four seeds, but I think they can go two and two in that pool. So I'm going to take them to come out. Um, I'm going to take Bruce Mowat to come out too, uh, defending champion. Um, how can I not take Brad Gushu at home? And out of that pool C, give me John Epping. Uh, and I'm going to take John Epping to make an epic, All an right. epping uh, uh, win. Yes, and you were correct when you picked him. I believe, was it the Masters? It was the Canadian won, Beef Masters. That yeah, they won, that you got that pick right. Truro, so, Nova Scotia. Yeah, so, so. We, we should point out, too, that uh, on the men's side, we have picked the last two winners correctly. Uh, yes, yes, between the two of us. Between the two of us, we have. So we're on a bit of a roll here. Uh, so for me, I'm going to go with uh, Brad Gushu, obviously, as the hometown team. I'm, I'm not as convinced about really any of these teams in Pool C. Uh, Megan Edwards on Twitter pointed out to us that she thinks Kevin Cooey might be hurt, mm. uh, that he's sort of wincing as he gets in the hack. And, uh, you know, I, she watches that team very carefully. And so I'm going to trust her on that. I'm going to stay away from Kevin Cooey because of that. Okay. And so, you know, to me, Pool C is pretty wide open. So I'm going to, I think, focus in on the other pools. So you can give me Nicodine out of Pool A. I'm going to go with Peter de Cruz out of Pool B. And for the last one, you know, give me Reed Carruthers to have a nice bounce back week here and make the playoffs here out in Conception Bay. And I'm going to stick with my normal routine here and go with the hometown team to be carried through. So you can give me Brad Gushu to win. Right on, Sean. Well, it's not a bad pick for sure, but I think your Reed Carruthers pick is insane. They're going to rebound. They, they were able to talk about it. They will convene. The pool with Scott McDonald, Braden Calvert, those are two games, with all due respect to those two teams, that they should win. Yep. And two is enough to get into a tie break at least. So let's hope on my part. I'm taking, you know, I think out of my eight picks, I think six of them are chalky. 
And then I have two that are, are maybe toss-ups. Yoshimura is a, a pick I really like. I really like that, Sean. I Good hope, on I, you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Scott. <laughs> I appreciate the support. So that'll do it for this episode of the Game of Stones podcast. Thanks again to everybody who followed along with us during our daily coverage from, well, not from Omaha, of Omaha and Estevan with the World Cup and the curling or the Canadian Cup by Curling Canada. So thank you for following us along. And if you have not listened to any of those shows, I know they're timely, but you can go back and listen to how we covered the week and uh, the progression and everything that happened. And certainly listen to the episode from Sunday night if you need to get more information about that timing controversy there at what happened Sunday night. Yeah, Sean, just uh, real quick while we're while we're wrapping up here, I just got a text from my friend who said she's listening to the podcast and really likes it. There you go. So uh, there you go. Tell your friends. All right. Do you want to shout this person out? Oh, it's my friend Liz in, in uh, All right. Hi, Vancouver. Liz. And she doesn't even really know that much about curling. I A little bit. But uh, she doesn't watch or play. All right. But uh, there you go. She's listening and, and likes it. So All right. Well, go. welcome, Liz. Welcome to the show. Uh, and I hope you continue to enjoy. And there's a nice little uh, fun overlap. It's like, it's like this weird netherworld where she's listening, but we're recording, but she's not listening to what we're saying as we're saying it. Like, Whoa. I know, right? <laughs> Mind blown. Um, so if you want to be like Liz, which you should all want to be like Liz, do subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever it is you get your shows. Uh, give us a like, rating, all that good stuff. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Game of Stones Pod. Scott's on Twitter at ScottLikesTV. I am at Dr. Shawnee Fever. And you can always email the show at Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com. So thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back with you on Sunday night after the finals of the Boost National to break down the week that was in Conception Bay. But until then, keep your brooms on the ice and don't dump that insert. Make the final.